a successful slumber. That is the name of today's little wee transmission, a successful slumber. And for today, we're going to be talking about sleep and some tips on how to optimize sleep. Seems for a lot of humans, especially in this modern era, sleep is something that does not come easy. So maybe you're doing something during the day or during the evening tide that could be fiddling with your sleep, fiddling with your circadian rhythms. So here are some tips on how to reset the circadian rhythm and get better sleep. Because if we're not sleeping, we're not going to be getting the repair we need and we're gonna be really just dragging ourselves around throughout the whole day. And the effects of sleep are really, if you go long times without sleep, like let's say, you know, a crusty night here or there probably isn't gonna hurt most people. But if it becomes a chronic situation where someone is not getting sleep for days, weeks, months, dare I say years, then it becomes a very deleterious situation for the body when what happens is that the functions of the body go on the fritz and then those functions become a structural aspect that causes aging and uh, doesn't help someone's health. Whenever we're talking about aging, it's really just anything that is a degenerative habit. That's essentially what aging is. And at the end of the day, if you're not regenerating, you're degenerating, there's really, it's either one or the other, right? There is no middle ground with something like this. So here are some of the top tips on how to reset our circadian rhythm. Number one would be to turn off your devices and get them out of your bedroom. This would include laptop, router, Kindles, iPads, and mobile phones have been shown to interfere with sleep basically in two main ways. By emitting blue light, which profoundly impacts their circadian rhythm. And of course, we've had this before. We had all this internet uh, technology. We had this even in the 80s and 90s and stuff with television and stuff. But now it tends to be all the time. And these devices are in every room. I mean, some people are probably old enough to remember in the 70s and the 80s when there actually wasn't TV 24-7, like in the early hours of the morning, there actually wasn't anything on TV. And then as time went on, more in like the 90s and I think the late 80s, there was like public access and kind of like the stuff that now you would have seen on YouTube, maybe like 10, 20 years ago was on public access during that time. But we've increasingly been exposed to more of this blue light as time has gone on and consequently we've also been exposed to more emf which is the second thing on number one of this list so first we have the blue light impacting the circadian rhythm in a profound aspect then we have the emission of low-level radiation in the form of emf electromagnetic field or frequency which has also been shown to disrupt circadian rhythm so what can we do to combat this we can avoid watching the tv or more appropriately named the Talmud vision, or using the computer or tablet at least one to two hours before bed, then to turn them off along with your Wi-Fi router at night and ensure that your mobile phone is nowhere near your head for at least an hour before sleep. And turn it off or put it in airplane mode before bed, having it at least six feet away. And I would suggest that people do not use their mobile device as a clock or an alarm. Uh, maybe it's more convenient to have less of these devices, but convenience kills. I would suggest either getting some type of gentle alarm clock, not the eh, 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 like, you know, an actual normal sound that you'd want to hear, like maybe bells or singing bowls or birds chirping, or to just remind yourself or set a program in your mind to wake up at the same time every day. Falling asleep in front of the Talmud vision is even worse. 
is, is worse or even worse than that, sleeping with the Talmud vision still on is one of the absolute worst things you can do if you want to have greater energy levels. When that blue light hits our eyes, even if our eyes are closed, it feeds back to our brains and tells us a circadian, tells our circadian clock it's daytime. Time to wake up and get active. So even if you don't want to do that, you're going to be tricking yourself into that rhythm, which is, of course, messing with your innate rhythm by doing these things. So that was number one, essentially, turn the devices off and get them out of the bedroom. Number two, sleep in complete darkness. If you wake up at some point during the night, it's critical that you do not turn any lights on, even to go to the bathroom for any other reason. Even a slight light exposure during the sleep period for just a few seconds will disrupt circadian rhythm and impair the normal physiological repair process that's needed to occur whilst you sleep. So looking at your mobile during the night, putting on a light to use the loo, all of this is no good. You should really have a tiny little light inside the bathroom. It could be like a red light or an orange light, something in one of those more warm hues, as opposed to something that's going to be shocking and, and totally shock your whole system. And it's going to be harder to get back to sleep. Room darkness is consistently ranked as one of the most important factors for a good night's sleep. You can utilize blackout curtains in your bedroom or a sleep mask. And I know for some people, especially if you live in a more urban environment, or maybe you live in a suburban environment where you have the street lamp on your street is right in front of your house, you're going to have to take extra precautions to make sure that you block that out or sleep in a room in your house that isn't going to have the light come in from the street light. So a lot of factors to consider. So that was number two, sleeping in complete darkness. Number three, blocking the blue light for two hours prior to bedtime. Blue light at night will alter the gene expression of circadian clock genes and disrupt the whole hormonal symphony that relies on proper circadian signaling. Specifically, it will suppress melatonin and phase shift circadian rhythm. It'll also blunt the normal rise in prolactin and growth hormone at night, which unfortunately has profound consequences on one's health, accelerated aging, increased risk of cancer, neurogenerative diseases, and blunted energy levels. After the sun goes down, you want to minimize or eliminate your exposure to blue light. How can we do this? There's a couple of ways that we can do this. Let's just turn the page. I dropped it, gotta pick it up, okay. And gosh, there's so much uh, construction or construction, what would it be, landscaping noises all the time. Does anyone find that as time goes on, life becomes more noisy, even in a suburban area? I find it very annoying. And I know probably you listening to this, you can hear it in the back, but this is the way it is, unfortunately. Um, soon it will be colder and there'll be nothing to blow besides snow, so that will be nicer. So here are some ways to deal with the blue light issue at night and how to mitigate that by using warm light. Here are the tips. Change your light bulbs. The indoor house lights that you see at night in your house, especially your bedroom, should be lamps that have an amber or a red bulb. Utilizing candlelight. Light from a candle is within the red, orange, yellow spectrum and does not trick the brain to think it is day. And the best thing about using a candle is that it costs nothing, right? It's kind of like the old fashioned way to do things. Think of like using a candle during a blackout is probably the connotation most of us have when we think of a candle or maybe a ritual or I don't know, thinking about the old time 
time past, but using a candle, of course you want to get one, I would say, that is enclosed in glass as opposed to just one that free burns and don't get one that has all the fragrances, whether they're natural or synthetic. Of course, that could be going on your nose and your skin. Even the natural fragrances like the essential oils, that can still mess with our biological responses and our hormones. So something to really be uh, considering when we, when we talk about these things. And of course, I would advise keeping the candle on a higher shelf so pets or youngsters uh, can't get a hold of the candle and possibly hurt themselves. Something else would be to wear blue blocker glasses. Blue blocker glasses should ideally be worn for at least one hour to bedtime, but preferably two hours. And these are the ones that have kind of like the orange or cast to the lenses. They make one for during the day that have a yellow or a clear cast, but the ones at night really have this orange look to them. I have a pair, I wear these. I also have something else that's not in this article that I will mention. I think the company is called Blue Box, B-L-U, no E. BLU box. It's out of Australia and they make this really groovy little uh, book lamp that's actually chargeable with a USB charger so you just use your computer essentially or one of your little plugins to charge it but what's so great about it is that you can just sit in bed reading a book which of course after you heard what I said is a lot healthier than you know watching the Talmud vision or, or whatever looking at one's mobile device when they're going to go to sleep but you can get this little light that has a red light on it. So it's a book light with a red light and it has three different strengths, you know, small strength, a medium strength and a more intense strength. I usually use the low or the medium. And then you can read a book or a magazine in bed. So that's a great way to kind of get like a good sleeping ritual going on. And something else to consider get sunlight during the first 30 minutes after you wake up. It's essential to create optimal peaks in your circadian rhythm. To do this, get outdoors in sunlight within 30 minutes of waking and try to stare at the bright sky in the direction of the sun, but not directly at the sun for at least 10 minutes. This can be done whilst exercising or going for a walk. And if you can't do this based on where you live, maybe there's no morning sun, it's overcast, it's still dark when you awake, you can get yourself a light therapy box or a sad lamp. So those are some ideas right there. And oftentimes the things we do during the day are what set the scene for how we sleep. I just wanna share a couple of more tips in regards to this very important topic. And something else, of course, not really gonna go into food too much on, on this little clip, but eating enough is really, really important. If you're not eating enough, then you may fall asleep just because you're wiped from not eating enough, but you're going to wake up probably around 2 to 3 a.m. in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, that's the liver time of night, and you're going to wake up because your liver is unable to hold sugar. The liver is supposed to be able to hold uh, one lib or one pound of sugar, glucose, carbohydrates, right? And as people get on in their years from stress, from PUFA poisoning, from low protein diets, from eating irritating food, from having high stress hormones, low sex hormones, low thyroid, etc. They are no longer able to get that sleep that they got when they were in their teens and 20s because their body is in a low state. When people are at low thyroid, everything slows down. Digestion slows down. Thinking slows down. Uh, reproductive functioning slows down because the body is, is wise. The body will down-regulate when it can't 
basically keep up the high energy needs. So that's that's what happens, but that will end up affecting your, your sleep. You'll be running on the stress hormones in the evening and it'll just be uh, a deleterious downward spiral. And the way it is now with so many ill habits being adopted by people when they're even in their younger years, there are probably even people who were teens or in their 20s who are dealing with sleep issues because of a deleterious diet and a toxic modern lifestyle. So here are a couple of more tips about sleep as well as what sleep should be. So getting on top of your sleep quality is number one to creating a better life. How do you expect to feel good, to have appetite, to have libido, to have motivation to work out, to do anything, to feel like you're alive and thriving if your sleep is, is, is shitty, right? So what are some of the signs of quality sleep? You fall asleep in under 10 minutes. You wake up naturally without an alarm, wide awake. You wake up with a boner or an erection. If you're a man, you should wake up with an erection. That is a sign of health. Uh, for women, it'd be a little bit, little bit different, but for men waking up with an erection, what's oftentimes called morning wood, uh, very important. You do not get tired throughout the day. And when you get up, you have a marked improvement in muscle soreness and pain overnight. So since sleep, especially quality sleep is restorative. If you've been dealing with any soreness or pain, you will feel less of that when you wake up. So some tips on how to get better sleep besides what we just spoke of. Sleep and rise at the same time every day. Sleep earlier and rise earlier closer to sunset and sunrise. The hours of sleep you get before midnight are more important than after midnight, even if you sleep, quote, eight hours. You're not going, if you're not going to bed be, until 10, 11, then you're not getting optimal refreshment. And in this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere, I know for people in the Southern Hemisphere, it's a bit different. They're having their, their summer and things like that. But for us in the North, it's natural to sleep more when it's less hours of light. So there's nothing wrong with sleeping more in this time of uh, year and sleeping less in the summer when there's more light and there's typically more things to do, right? Again, just to rehash, no blue light emitting screens or harsh lights once the sun goes down. That would be a more intense uh, sleep hygiene regime than let's say one to two hours before bed. Some people want to take it um, further and that's always good. I don't think orthodoxy is a, is a bad thing unless of course we're talking about religion, but sometimes I've been criticized by people for being too orthodox, too extreme, but I don't really consider that to be an issue. I think oftentimes it's a, a fear or a, a lack of, I don't know if it's willpower or motivation. Maybe it's more fear, if anything, when people say, oh, I can't, I can't do that, right? So candles and salt lamps, if you want to take it to that way. And if someone's really dealing with like a lot of stress and just feels like on edge all the time, maybe you do want to have more of an orthodox approach. I mean, for me, I like the orthodox approach because I guess it's what I'm used to based on, on my background. But I also like it because I guess in a way it kind of sets me into my own vibe. And I guess sometimes that can be seen as perhaps somewhat alienating, but I see it as inspiring for others. So that's, that's my take on, on orthodoxy. Some other things to help with sleep. 
Reducing caffeine intake, only have it in the morning if you do and have days off of it. That can keep some people up into the night, especially if their liver function is ill or if they're not eating enough food. If you're going to be taking caffeine, remember caffeine is a metabolic stimulant, so you better be eating. You cannot use it just to have it first thing in the morning straight away with no fuel in the system. And then what that does is blunts appetite and then you run on stress hormones. So if you're going to be taking caffeine, you've got to be eating eating food, eating frequently. There's, there's nothing wrong with eating a lot of food. Lose the idea that we're supposed to be starving ourselves all the time and bragging about eating one meal a day or keeping our caloric intake under a certain amount. To, to eat is to live. It's one of the pleasures of being a human on this planet is to eat tasty food. Taping your mouth, uh, this enables the nasal breathing only at night and this is game changing in the quality of sleep. No huge meals right before bed. Sometimes it's nice to take a uh, little walk after dinner. And of course, I'm, I'm okay with the idea of a bedtime snack, but you don't want to eat a humongous amount of food, especially slow digesting food before you go to sleep. Um, you want to eat something like, let's say for a snack, like for me, what would I would say is a groovy snack before bed. Maybe some warm milk with some gelatin and a drop of vanilla and like a spoonful of honey. To me, that's a pretty good snack. Something else you can do is you can stretch before bed. You can do acupressure on the soles of your feet. You can do jaw massage release. You can do yoni steaming, which boosts oxytocin. There's a lot of things. Uh, lovemaking also can help with falling asleep, whether it be solo or partnered lovemaking. Those are some ideas. There's a lot of things out there that we can do wrong to mess with our sleep or we can do to improve our sleep. And getting good sleep is one of the cornerstones, I think, of, of staying zesty and fresh and juicy and all these things that we tend to see happening to people as they go on in our years. Now we see people in their 20s turning into dried fruit because of all of the terrible dietary advice, all the modern stressors, all the, the terrible information out there that's really... I mean, it's, it's almost like it's, how should I say this? It's, it's, it's like a slow suicide in some way. We think about all the bad information that's out there. And you, and you know something has got to be extra foul and toxic if allopathy or Big Z is promoting it, like they're promoting the plant-based diet, they're promoting the low-carbohydrate regime. Like we have to know that if they're promoting it, 99% of the time it's going to be deleterious or it's going to be the opposite of what would be optimal. So some tips there about sleep. I hope that was helpful for everyone uh, listening. And remember that you're never too late in your life or never too early in your life to make a commitment to making a change. It's just, do you want to do it? Do you have the motivation to do it? That's oftentimes what it comes down to. But, you know, listening to these little clips here and there, you get an idea of, of good information out there. It's just, it's very succinct. It's almost like a cliff note version of uh, what you'd want to do. And just take, take it. You could do whatever you want with it. At the end of the day, you could just listen to this and, well, decide to loaf in front of the Talmud Vision and eat Fritos. Or you could choose to read a book in bed with your red light lamp uh, after you had a little bit of uh, warm milk. So it's always your choice. 
oh, something else in regards to another beverage at night that might be good. Chamomile tea is something that's really nice. And you could add a little bit of honey to that to make sure you have a little bit of sugar. And you could add a little bit of uh, collagen, which contains the amino acid uh, glycine, which of course is in gelatin as well, and, and proline. These are uh, anti-inflammatory amino acids, unlike the tryptophan, which is very high in the muscle meat, which of course dominates the Western diet. And, Many of the diets, especially the Western diet, which is a more removed version of the European diet than the ones that are still in Europe, at least from my observations and historical understandings. So glycine is an amino acid that really helps with uh, sleep. So that's why I recommended the warm milk with the gelatin. If that wasn't your fancy or you wanted to mix it up, you could do the chamomile tea with a little bit of collagen. You could even use gelatin as well. And a wee bit of honey that helps a lot of humans uh, get a successful slumber. So that's it. On today's little broadcast. Today is uh, Tuesday, December 6, 2022, and I am not sure if I'm going to be returning to the live broadcast this week. I've had a snafu with my internet. I still do not have internet. I've been like, this is unbelievable, I've been like 18 days without internet. It's a pretty mind-zing experience. Um, I've made the best of it, of course. I try to do that with, with everything and see the opportunities in not being so connected and having more time to connect to myself and just feel more myself, feel more in myself, as opposed to what we have nowadays where the constant distraction of not just having to keep in constant contact, but the constant distraction of blue lights, it's, uh, it's not a good look. I can imagine it's a less good look the earlier we get into those habits. So I'm bidding everyone farewell now, and we'll be connecting again soon on the next clip or broadcast. Have a wonderful day. Satnam.